Hi everyone, this is Alicia Halliday and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. Before I begin, I want to remind everyone that a summary of the podcast, plus links to the two publications I'm going to discuss, plus some other interesting links will be posted on asfpodcast.org for reference. Now we always try to be on the ball with environmental factors that contribute to the probability of having a child diagnosed with autism. The most obvious reason for this is that if a particular factor is preventable, then maybe some of the symptoms could be ameliorated. What's showing up in science is that these environmental factors associated with autism should be avoided. They're like exposure to high levels of air pollution while pregnant, getting sick while pregnant, and drugs during pregnancy that are associated with birth defects. Some of these are specific to autism, but most are detrimental in many other ways than just autism. For example, exposure to air pollution while pregnant leads to a host of poor health outcomes in offspring. I'll also talk about a study investigating an insecticide, DDT, which was banned years ago but still stays in our ecosystem because where can it go if it's sprayed into the ground? So it just is common sense to stay away, to try avoid these exposures to high levels of air pollution, try not to get sick while you're pregnant, and I feel confident that that's good advice. But air pollution and DDT are tough ones. How do you avoid what's in the air we share or something that's been banned already? That's for another podcast, so stay tuned for that. But these studies also point to mechanisms behind autism. What do these things do in the brain during pregnancy and how do they interact with genetics to lead to the brain changes associated with autism? Do different conditions in pregnancy associated with autism and environmental toxicants have anything in common? I will discuss two new studies with that possible link. The first study in Nature looked at an association between a condition in moms and people with autism called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome and autism, both in moms of kids with autism and women with autism. The authors, led by Simon Baron Cohen in the UK, looked at medical databases to understand the link between this condition and the probability of having a child with autism. But what I really love is that they wanted step further to look at this condition in women with autism. So bravo for that. What is polycystic ovarian syndrome? Well, something I hope it could be prevented and I actually wish it could be eliminated. As the word ovarian suggests, it has to do with the ovaries. And whenever there is one of those ovary type of conditions, I turn to the very trusted and very respective Reproductive Medical Associates of New Jersey. They're a group of doctors that study the endocrine systems of women to help them become pregnant, or in some cases, just live normal lives. Believe it or not, you don't have to want to become pregnant to need a reproductive endocrinologist. Lots of women have endocrine disruption. They told me they did not feel comfortable addressing the autism component, but they gave me a great resource, a blog on their website. It has a great summary of PCOS. So I'll summarize. PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. I will post this blog on asfpodcast.org so you can read it again. It's characterized by follicles in the ovary, which normally get bigger and ready to release a mature egg every month, that just end up developing a cyst instead. It's probably more complicated than that, and if you want to know more details, check out the blog. It's partially genetic. 30 to 50% of sisters or daughters of women with PCOS also have PCOS. But most importantly, here are the symptoms to watch out for. Irregular periods or a loss of menstruation entirely. Acne and abnormal hair growth, commonly on the face, chest, or abdomen. Obesity, difficulty losing or maintaining weight, and type 2 diabetes. And of course, infertility, if you're trying to conceive, this may be pretty obvious. 
And anxiety, depression, and eating disorders are also seen in patients with PCOS. Now, if you have these symptoms, don't just assume it's PCOS, but go to a doctor. You don't even have to go to a reproductive endocrinologist, go to your gynecologist. One of the ways it's diagnosed is elevated levels of testosterone in the blood plus these symptoms together. This elevated testosterone is probably what causes that unwanted hair growth on the face and the neck. So PCOS just flat out sucks. Who cares if you wanna get pregnant? Life is too short to have acne, depression, anxiety, obesity, and irregular menstrual cycles. It's also characterized by metabolic issues like diabetes or prediabetes or high blood pressure and obesity. And those things will become more important as I try to weave in how autism and PCOS may be interconnected. The good news is that it's treatable. It's underdiagnosed, but it is treatable with the right medication. The key is to put together all the symptoms and that's why seeing a doctor is so important. The researchers in the UK noted two things. Women with PCOS who had kids had a higher likelihood of having a child diagnosed with autism or Asperger's than those without PCOS. The effect was lessened but stayed there if factors like diabetes, maternal age, and obesity were adjusted for. As a reminder, these factors are also independently associated with an increased probability of having a child with autism. So part of the link between autism and PCOS is due in part to those things. But because a hallmark hormonal feature of PCOS is elevated testosterone levels, the authors conclude that this elevated male sex hormone level during pregnancy is a significant factor in autism diagnosis. They use it to support what they call the extreme male brain theory. Now, two things I want to say. Most women with PCOS did not have a child with autism, so PCOS does not explain everything. Also, genetic interactions were not examined. That's kind of the consequence of having lots of samples to study. As I've mentioned before, you either get a little bit of data on lots of samples or a lot of data on fewer samples. So they didn't get a full genome screen. We don't know what their genetics looks like. That's not a ding to the study, but it's a possible explanation. So if you're a woman with PCOS, just be aware of this link in addition to everything else you have to worry about. Good luck to you. What I found more interesting was that if you are a woman with PCOS, you are also more likely to have an autism diagnosis. I don't have PCOS, but again, the symptoms suck. A recent paper examining experiences with menstruation in women with autism showed that they have a great difficulty in dealing with the challenges of menstruation. Don't we all, right? But women with autism seem to have a greater burden. So imagine what it's like to have PCOS and autism. The study did not look at the rate of PCOS in women with autism, but the other way around. So it doesn't give you the risk number of having PCOS if you have autism. It just gives you the risk of having autism if you have PCOS. They're different numbers, but I still think it's worth mentioning. And this is where I wanted to get the input of a reproductive endocrinologist. If you're a woman with autism, should you be asking anything differently of your doctor? Well, the answer is yes, please disclose your autism diagnosis to your doctors and be honest about your symptoms, even if that means bringing a friend or a family member with you to the appointment so they can help you with this conversation. Not all menstrual issues are caused by PCOS, but remember, PCOS is treatable. The authors claim they believe this is more evidence for the extreme male brain early testosterone theory of autism. Now, remember, PCOS is also genetic, so I'm pretty sure there's an interaction there somewhere. The other study I wanted to tell you about this week is highly disturbing. 
This study looked at over 1 million people in Finland to examine the link between DDT during pregnancy and the diagnosis of autism in children. So in Finland, there's something called the Finnish maternity cohort. In the 1980s, 90s, and early 2000s, they recruited pregnancies and asked women in this cohort to give a blood sample during their pregnancy. All in all, there were about 800 cases of autism. One of the things they looked at in the blood was an insecticide called DDT or dichlorodiphenyl trichloroethane. It's been banned for years because it's linked to cancer. The investigators found that if a mother had DDT levels in the top quartile, otherwise the very, very highest levels of DDT in the group, her odds of having a child with autism and intellectual disability doubled. The association was true even if the autism was without intellectual disability, but they weren't as high. The findings persisted after adjusting for several confounding factors like maternal age and psychiatric history. Now, interestingly enough, they didn't find an association between maternal PCBs and autism, another banned chemical, although these associations have been reported elsewhere. So how could this happen? While DDT and PCBs were widely banned in many countries over 30 years ago, including Finland, they persist in the food chain because their breakdown occurs very slowly, as long as several decades, resulting in continuing exposure to populations. These chemicals are transferred across the placenta in concentrations greater than those seen in the mother's blood. Now, DDT does not call autism. It's clear that the factors causing autism are way more complex than simple DDT or PCOS or even air pollution. These things contribute to filling the bucket. They don't fill the bucket independently. It's unclear how exactly DDT could raise the risk of autism, but the lead author, Alan Brown from Columbia, suggested two possible mechanisms. First, DDT has been associated with low birth weight and premature birth, which are known risk factors for autism. Also, DDT is known to bind to proteins called androgen receptors, which allow cells to respond to testosterone and other hormones. Now, PCBs don't do that. I will note, though, that other studies have shown a link in some genetically defined types of autism, so the possibility of a gene-environment interaction with PCB and autism still exists. This paper on DDT actually spends a lot of time about why there was not an association with PCB, which I'm interested, of course, but... You guys just need to know this. Our planet has been now been saturated with chemicals that have been banned because they are dangerous, harmful, and deadly. They don't just go away. We need to be very careful about what type of chemicals are allowed for use, or this problem is just going to get worse and worse. This goes beyond autism, obviously. These chemicals cause cancer and other health problems. They were banned for a reason. This is why we have the Environmental Protection Agency and why they should be empowered to make decisions independent of their impact on the economy. Now, as a tie-in to PCOS, DDT and other chemicals besides DDT bind to androgen receptors and surprise disrupt fetal brain development. These are things that change the endocrine system, testosterone, DDT, other things, and they affect brain development. It could be testosterone from PCOS or androgen receptor binding by DDT. Again, neither of these things is a cause, but I'm not kidding. DDT is nasty. I think we're just on the tip of the iceberg in finding out what these chemicals do and don't do. But we also need to continue studying them in the context of genetic predispositions. I don't think anyone is going to tell you that DDT exposure is okay. It was banned. But how do you avoid it? 
Well, that's a good question. And the biggest thing is because they accumulate, you have to be careful of the fish and meat you eat. I'm going to attach a link again to the summary at asfpodcast.org. And let's not all forget to fight for environmental protection. These laws were not created to make people's lives harder. They were created to make our lives safer and healthier. Thank you for listening.